Amen. Amen. Thanks, Zach. And hey, isn't it awesome to know he is with us and he's with us today in this place and looking forward to seeing his manifest presence. We've already experienced it through worship, but we want to experience it through his word in a moment. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 19. And while you do that, I just want to have a, just a moment of personal privilege for me to be able to welcome uh, some of our uh, guests today with us. Our Combat Veterans Motorcycle Association, somewhere close to that, I got it right, okay? They're all back here. Would you welcome them here today with us? We're grateful to have them. Jonathan Parker uh, is one of really a minister from us as he goes out in so many different times and is able to gather with this association. A lot of times you all are doing ministry. I know at the War Vets home and all that kind of stuff as well. That's usually what has happened pre-COVID. And then, of course, COVID kind of made a lot of things more challenging. But we are grateful that you are here with us and worshiping today. And we pray that, that God would just encourage you through your ministry as well. We're proud to have you. Hey, I've heard the old adage that if you fail to prepare, you should prepare to fail. Like preparation is everything. You've got to prepare in life. You've got to. Every area of life. Think about it just this morning. You prepared to get here. You prepared in some way to get to church this morning. So you, you got up this morning and um, you, you got ready. You, you had your cup of coffee right and got a little bit of maybe breakfast, perhaps. Maybe you took a shower and the folks around you would be very pleased that you took a shower maybe. You, you brushed your hair. Some of you brushed your hair. Brian, you brushed your hair this morning right there? Yeah. Uh, you, you got it all fixed and it got prepared and you're here. You know, you prepared, did you not? I mean, I was thinking about it when I saw these students a moment ago. For young families, like preparing to come to church on, on like Sunday morning, it is the battle royale with Satan himself. You know, because you've got to get the kids going in the right direction. You've got to get going. And, you know, so often you just don't have the right spirit when you get to worship. Anybody, can I have a testimony somewhere? You know, you have to prepare. Many of you have prepared this morning. For us as a church, we prepared for you to be here. We had people that practiced this week. Zach and the gathering band, they prepared to be able to lead our worship. We had folks that we were helping us out with the lights and the sound and all that's been done. Uh, we, even, we even had people cleaning extra these days to prepare the facilities. If you come in here on Monday sometimes, you will encounter a very strange smell because they will like, on Monday morning, like, like shoot off a bomb in some of these areas around here. I don't know exactly what it is. It's a cleaning kind of deal. So they'll get rid of your germs after you've been here on Sunday. And you'll see that because they're preparing on Monday for you all to come back here in this place. So there's a lot of preparation. Even the pastor prepares. I've prepared the sermon. I did prepare this week because a Saturday night special is not usually too special on Sunday morning. So I try to work through that. We all make preparation. We're even preparing now for some things. Two Sundays from now, we will gather in our 1030 gathering in the sanctuary because we believe that we will continue to see growth as the university begins classes again, all those things. And we need to have room to be able to spread out and reach more people. So we're going to be gathering down there in just a couple weeks. So we're making preparation. You made preparation. You make preparation every day. 
When you get up and prepare for that business presentation or you get ready for the test you have to take in class, you're always making preparation. How about the preparation that God calls us to make? Because when I look through Scripture, there are many, many verses where it speaks about preparation we should make even as we encounter God Himself. Exodus 19 is like a chapter on preparation. It is when God is just about to come to his people. He, he's trying to form them into a nation. They've been his family, as you'll see, but he's now going to form them. This is an adolescent nation that he is going to work in to grow them and mature them. And he's about to come visit them. And he's going to give them the commandments and reveal himself and the framework for a godly culture. So he's saying to them here in this passage, prepare yourselves. Get ready. Get ready for an encounter with me. So begin in verse 1. It says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. So like right there you should know something's up. Something's about to happen. God, you're about to have a God moment. Why? Because they're back at the mountain. What mountain? Mount Sinai. This was the place where Moses met God in the burning bush. This is where God had revealed himself as the great I am that I am. So they're coming back to the mountain. And this was the place, as we saw last week, where Moses was reconciled with his family and his father-in-law Jethro was reconciled to God. It was a beautiful picture that you see back in chapter 18. So you're to the mountain. God's about to do something. You've got some of those places like that. I mean, you've got some of them in your life. You know, every time you're there, whether it's a church service, whether it's a personal experience, whether it's a prayer clause that you have at your house, it's like when you go in, there's something about to happen because God is going to show up. So they're at the mountain. Three months after the Exodus. It says in verse 3, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So God says, hey, I want you to go and I need you to talk to my people. And I want you to talk to them about a new arrangement, a new relationship. I want you to tell them to prepare themselves for something new that I'm going to do in their lives. And how I'm going to relate to them in a different way. It's a new relationship they were to prepare themselves for. Now, this new relationship was founded upon the old relationship. What do I mean by that? Do you hear the language? It says the house of Jacob, the children of Israel. You see, God had been very good to this family. They were a family. God had called Abram out in the midst of nowhere. He had called him out, and he had chosen him to be of service, to be his voice. God was going to work through the family of Abraham. He had elected him to this position so that he could use him. 
So that's the old relationship. Like God had called Abraham. And why did he call him? It wasn't because Abraham and Jacob, it wasn't because they were so good. It was not. It was because of the gracious purpose of God. Let me remind you this morning. You know why you're part of the family? It's not because you have done such great things. It is not because you are so gifted, although many of you are gifted. It's not because you are so talented, although you may have talents. You are part of God's family because God loved you and he demonstrated grace to you even when you were undeserving. Isn't that awesome? He brought you into his family. So here, that's the, that's the relationship. That's kind of the old relationship. He says, hey, you, you've been part of the family. I chose you. I brought you to this point. But notice this is a new dimension in the relationship. This is a new part of the relationship. He says, because now what I'm doing is I have brought you out of Egypt and you are going to be a new people to me, a new nation. Like you're not just a family anymore. Now you are going to be a nation that I am going to utilize again for my glory and for your good. He reminds them that he was the one who delivered them. And he uses this analogy of the eagle's wings. He said, just as the eagle would be able to bear up its young, so I have borne you and delivered you and freed you. So again, they did nothing to deserve this. They could never have gotten out of Egypt by themselves. It was the eagle's wings that had lifted them to a new sense of freedom. And God was putting all of this out there so that they would understand that they have a responsibility to a new relationship. Even the language that he uses, the covenant language, he says, this is a covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement or relationship. It's kind of like when you get married. You say that you enter into a marriage covenant. You enter into a marriage agreement or a marriage relationship. That's what the people were doing. They were entering into a commitment. Old Testament, New Testament. The word testament is the Latin form, basically, of the word covenant. Did you know that? The New Testament, that word testament could mean covenant. So it's the old covenant and the new covenant. It's kind of like the old idea that there was a relationship of the past as God was working through the nation of Israel. But then there is the new relationship that comes through Jesus Christ in which he has expanded to the Gentiles and he is working through the church itself. So there's a new relationship. And God's saying, I want to utilize you. I want you to recognize that. And recognize what I want to do to you and what I want to do with you. You see, he calls them the special people. Verse 5, he had said, all the world's mine. And hopefully everybody in here could say, yes, we know that God is overall. He owns everything. But then in the midst of all creation, God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, basically, hey, you are a special people to me. You are a special treasure to me. He says, you are a kingdom of priests. You are a holy nation. Those are the terms that he will use. The same terms, by the way, that Peter will use. Remember Peter? He's often called the apostle to the Jews. Now, he obviously reached the Gentiles as well, but he's often called the apostle to the Jews. 
And he writes 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, he uses this same imagery. Like he pulls out what Moses wrote here in Exodus 19. And he basically applies it to the church. And he says to the church, you are a special people. You are a holy nation. You're a kingdom of priests. Because you've entered into a very unique relationship with me. So holy nation means you're different. Kingdom of priests, well that means that you're in a reconciling ministry that you're bringing other people to God and them to God in a sense. Uh, them to God and God to them. That's what you're doing in reconciliation. But also this idea of special possession. Special treasure. A few years ago, I recognized that this idea of special treasure, it could, it could mean like personal possession. That you're the personal possession of God. It's the same word that's used like by King David to talk about the possessions he had that he took and he placed in the temple because they were so valuable to him. And he loved them. But also, through a study I did some years ago at First Zachary, I realized that this could also indicate a movable possession. Like a movable possession. Some years ago, I see some of the Zachary people that I pastored back then, they came back and let me pastor them again. That's kind of cool. Uh, that's awesome. I wouldn't have brought everybody from Zachary with me, but there are a few of y'all that I think would be good. But they, we did a study called Empowering Kingdom Growth. And it was put out by Southern Baptists. And really, I'll be honest, I don't remember much about the study except this. That Exodus 19, this idea of movable possession, it applies to our lives. It means that you and I, as the possession of God, are not fixed assets, but we should be movable and usable. The people of Israel, they moved around a good bit. Actually, they're in the wilderness here. And they're going to make all kinds of rounds. And it's the idea that, hey, I want to use you no matter where you are and what's going on. You're my possession. And I want to utilize you for the kingdom. So the idea of movable and usable. So when I was getting married, Leslie and I... Well, we were very blessed. She was very blessed to have a lot of friends and a lot of people that wanted to do something called wedding showers. Any of you have ever, you know, like, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. If you get married, you need to milk those showers for the most you can, all right? Because, like, people, that's the one time they're going to be really nice to you and they're going to give you stuff and they're going to help you out, make you list and all this kind of stuff. I thought it was really cool because people would bring like these really beautiful dishes or they would buy them. You could pick them up at the store. You could do whatever. I mean, they would, you, these beautiful dishes. They called them China. I thought it was awesome. I told Leslie, I was like, we'll never need another plate in our life. As many plates as we've gotten, as much of this China that we've got. So, you know, I, I was so excited about it. We got married, and I remember we had come back from the honeymoon and all this kind of stuff, and we had moved into the parsonage there in North Mississippi, and we had boxes of this stuff, boxes of China. And I looked at Leslie, and I said, hey, I said, uh, let, let's eat off the China tonight. And she's like, oh, no, we're not doing that. And I'm like, yeah, it'll be awesome. We got to China. I'll go get it. I mean, I'll get it out. It'll be good. Let's let's." Let's use the china. She's like, no, we're not using the china. I said, why not? She said, because you're not supposed to use the china like that. 
I said, what do you mean? She said, we just can't use it to eat off of. <laughs> it's a plate. A plate was made with a design that you eat off of a plate. She's like, yes, you don't understand, though, the concept of China. China is not what you're to eat off of every day, every night. It's very, 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 very special. I said, yeah, it is. She said, it's very special. You can display it. You know, some people years ago used to have what called, was called a China cabinet. So you can have it displayed. Or at a very, 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 very special occasion, you might eat off of it. Leslie and I have been married about 21 years. And I think there have been two very, 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 very special occasions in our lives we ate off to China. As a matter of fact, my China is boxed up right now. It never got unboxed when I moved to Ruston, Louisiana. I've been here six and a half years. No China. Like, I, it just, just doesn't make sense to me. Until just recently, my mom, she said, hey, would you want your grandmother's China? And I said, why would I want it? She said, because it's special. I said, but you can't use it. She said, no, you're not supposed to use it. See, I thought Leslie was just joking with me all these years. Then my mama just confirmed it. You're not supposed to, but you're supposed to take it. It's supposed to be nice. Here, take it with you. And I took my grandmother's china. Guess what? We hadn't used it either. It's in a box in the pantry right now. I mean, that's the way it is. I give you that to give you this. I think there are a lot of Christians these days like China. I think there are a lot of believers today that are very special possessions. And they can even look good. They can put, be put on display. But to be honest, they're not very usable. Might be boxed up somewhere. Might have value to them. But they're not usable. Listen to what God, God said. I want you to be a movable possession. I want you to be a special possession. Again, the idea behind this is that you are going to be used. And God wants to use every believer. And he wants to use you this morning. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, he wants to use you for your kingdom. I shared this with a Wednesday night crowd the other day because I was going through this First Peter passage where it talked about this imagery. And I was, was reminded that when we were going through that empowering kingdom growth study, and I'd just come across this concept of a movable possession as God uses it, there was a guy that walked in my office Young man, fresh out of medical school there in Shreveport, Louisiana, just moved to Zachary. He walked into my office and he began to talk to me about coming and being a part of First Zachary and not only joining our church, but wanting to find a ministry, a place to really plug in. And I remember I had a great visit with him. He was an awesome, awesome young man. He was a great asset to our community as an OBGYN. Actually, he became my OBGYN while I was there. Don't judge me. I always called him for medical advice. Always. He was awesome. About a week after he had moved there, about a week after he moved there, this other guy from Sellers Maternity Home came by. And he said, Brother Reggie, we're relocating out here. You know that we have a house that somebody has given us out at Central. And we're going to start a maternity home there. And there are going to be young ladies who are single, who are struggling right now, 
They're pregnant. And we want to help them as they nurse their lives and certainly as they give birth to this child. We want to help them. Do you know anybody that you think might be a good doctor that you could recommend to them? I said, hold on just a moment. I think God's doing something here. Don't you love it when God's doing something and you can just see it all over? Because there was a young guy in here last week who just moved here from Shreveport, Louisiana. He's an OBGYN. And he wants to do ministry. You know, I think I can connect you with him. And what happened? We connected that ministry with him. And he would go and he would take care of the physical needs, but he would also minister to them spiritually. I had just studied this term movable possession and then God just exemplified it in front of my eyes that here this young man was he was faithful moved down was part of our church and God just opened the ministry and opportunity for him you see he wasn't content being this display of a Christian he wasn't content being in a box he wanted some type of ministry where he could make a difference. He wanted to be a usable possession. What did God do? God granted his wish, his desire, and gave him that opportunity. I say to you that when we prepare ourselves, we need to prepare ourselves for a relationship with the Lord Jesus in which he says, I want to use you. I want to work within you. I want to have a relationship with you in which you can see good, but also I might be glorified need to prepare ourselves for that type of relationship we need to prepare ourselves for a new reality if we come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus understand that affects our reality that affects our everyday life because when you come into contact with him and you come into relationship what he wants from you above all he wants obedience that's what he wants look again if you will in verse 5 it says if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. In verse 7 he says, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people of the Lord. What was he wanting from the people? He wanted a relationship, but he wanted their obedience. He wanted them to obey. If you will obey, these are commands. See, when we think about life today and God working in us, you and I don't have an option. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus, then that means we have committed to listening to him and saying, God, whatever you bring our way, we want to obey. Whatever it is, we surrender ourselves fully. It's not about us determining what we want to do. It's about him determining what he wants to do with us and us saying, God, go ahead, make us, Lord, make us what you would have us to be. We surrender. He wanted them to obey. He's about to give the commandments. And what he wants from them when he commands something is their obedience. And that's the reason you hear the people saying, we'll do it. We'll do it. Well, Look at the methodology in which he gets his message across. Look the way he says it. Look the way he speaks his word. You know, because it always matters how somebody speaks to you. It's not just the words they use. 
It's the methodology that they use to get that word across. Let me, let me give you an example. I have an eight-year-old beautiful little girl, got blue eyes, same beautiful blue eyes her daddy has. It's awesome. I love her to death. She's great part of the time. I enjoy, you know, she's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful child. But let's say if I look out and I see her running across the yard and she falls. And I see her, you know, she falls, she's just there. What do I do? What do I do? I'm a caring father. I run out to her. I say, baby, you okay? Is everything all right? Let me see. Let me see what happened. Oh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Look, one of these days, you all will have this, you'll have this speech down. When you all are parents, you'll see it. Oh, it's good. And you, you have that very calming kind of speech, that calming tone, okay? So let's say you're trying to get her to learn her math facts. You know that's a reality, like multiplication. Let me say that, multiplication facts. And you have the little cards. Any of you going through this with me right now, by the way? No testimonies? I'll find a support group elsewhere. Anyway, you've got the little cards, the flashcards going through. Okay, what is this? Uh, four times eight is, yes, 32. Thir three, two, 32. Yes, that's right. And then four times not yet. That's four more, thir thir 36. And then like you're, you're like working through her and you have a different tone. It's not really that, hey, baby, everything's going to be all right. It's kind of like, okay. Let's listen up. You need to learn this. It's a little kind of a serious tone, correct? Let's say if I look out the window and I see my baby girl on her moped. She's going around the street that we live on. She just almost knocked our neighbors, the mirrors, down. And in the process, she just dodged another car that was coming out of the Elmore house. What am I going to, I'm going to walk out. And what am I going to do? Remain calm. <laughs> Be patient. No! I'm going to say, Ainsley, get yourself to this house now! I know you're not supposed to scream. I was only, I was only trying to do that because her moped has a lot of sound when she's riding on it, and there are a lot of cars around. That's the only reason you would ever raise your voice is because they just needed to hear you, okay? But I raised my voice. She came. It's methodology. Look at how he says this. God wants obedience in what he said, but look at the way he says it. There in verse 9 it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. You hear this? Thick cloud comes down. That should set the context. And then... Look over, if you will, in verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of the furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. You don't think he's trying to get their attention in the way he spoke? Yes, he's going to give them the commands. He's going to give them the revelation. But he set the context like there's thunder, there's lightning. The mountain itself is shaking because he's trying to get their attention because he 
because he expects obedience from them. And I think sometimes God has to bring some thunder and lightning to our lives. I really think it's okay every now and then for him to shake the mountain so that we'll hear clearly. Because it's about obedience. When you give your life to Christ, it is no longer yours. I, I could say to you it really wasn't yours to start with even though you thought it was. But I'm telling you once you surrender your life to Christ, you have surrendered to his lordship. And that means you have surrendered to be obedient. That is the new reality. And you and I need to prepare ourselves like that every day. We need to prepare ourselves. Hey, we're in a relationship, but we're also in a new reality of obedience every day. Do you prepare yourself when you get up in the morning saying, God, I surrender to you? Do you prepare yourself when you go to bed at night? God, I have submitted myself again to you. Have you done it each and every moment of this week where you've said, God, my heart's desire is to obey you in every area of our lives? We don't want to pick and choose. We want to surrender to you fully. Because when you get ready for that relationship and that reality, you also see, well, you also see the revelation of who God truly is manifest in your life. So let me give you this real quickly. There in chapter 19, they're getting ready to see God. Look in verse uh, 10 again. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, consecrate them today. Tomorrow let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether a man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near that mountain. So Moses went down from the people to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes and he said to them be ready for the third day do not even come near your wives hear this he says God's coming he's about to come down on the mountain get yourself ready what does he say as he tells him tells them to get themselves ready he says give attention to your attire wash your clothes get ready get yourself prepared Wash, wash, ceremonially, keep yourself pure. Do not go into anything that will make you ritually impure. Abstain, anticipate, anticipate the meeting. Get ready, three days, he's coming. Anticipate, and then approach him in reverence. Could you see the awe and reverence here? Like you better not touch the mountain. You better sense the holiness of God through this. You better not come close. The awe. Now, I know that this is specific to Israel, so it's hard to transfer some of these principles over. But let me, let me take a shot, okay? The idea of your attire. It's not, I'm not talking about clothes here. You know, it, it's great that God has blessed us with clothes, whatever. It's not about what you wear on Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, I kind of am grateful that there are people that have suits and ties on. And I'm also grateful that there are people who come around with jeans and shorts on. I kind of am grateful for both. You know why? Because it means that the people with ties and suits hopefully don't think they're more godly than the ones with jeans and shorts. And hopefully the ones with jeans and shorts don't think they're more spiritual than the ones with ties and suits. 
It's kind of nice when we all come together. Because you know what? It doesn't matter about what you're wearing. It's about your attitude when you come. So let me just look at this and say this. You and I need to adjust our attitudes and prepare our attitudes when we come before the presence of God. I just tell you, we ought to kind of wash out our attitudes, let Christ wash them out sometimes before we even come in to his presence. And this can apply to us personally, but it can apply to us as we come corporately as well. We need to abstain from anything that will make us morally impure and somehow make our minds altered so that we can't see the greatness and the wonder of God when we come to worship. We're to anticipate meeting him. Do you ever just anticipate God going to show up? You ever have one moment where you're like, you get up in the morning like, God, I, I really think, I think you're going to show up today. Hey, you ever think when you come to church that God is really going to show up and show out in who he is and what's going on? Do you ever expect that when you walk into a service to see people who are filled with the Holy Spirit? Hey, I know it can happen personally in your life during the week. If this is the only time you worship, you're in trouble. You should have been worshiping this week before you ever got here. But I will tell you, it's a very special time to come together. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there he is also. So there's a special manifestation. I hope you anticipate it. And I hope we approach him with some type of reverence and awe as well. Because the great God we serve, the holy God, he's so much different from us. and so great, so wonderful. Sometimes all you, got, all you can do is just bow to recognize who he is. You've got to prepare yourselves. You've got to prepare yourselves for him to reveal his character and his work in your life. Now, ultimately, the revelation will be bound around what? His word. Because the commandments will come, and this word will be the true revelation. All the thundering, the lightning, all that kind of stuff, the... The, all of this will be so that God can speak clearly and demonstrate himself in his power and in his holiness. Look, it says in verse 19, When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. The Lord came down, it says. You know why? Because the people, they couldn't have even known who God was unless he had revealed himself. He had come down. Think about it with us. You hear me say it all the time. You and I could have never known salvation or given our life to him. We could have never really attained salvation through our own efforts. But what did God do? When you and I couldn't go up the mountain, God came down the mountain in Jesus Christ. That's what happened. The holy, holy God, unholy people like us, brought together by the cross, by the reconciliation that Jesus Christ brought to bring God to us and us to God. How we are to worship him and prepare ourselves for what he has done and for that revelation in our hearts and lives. My friends, you and I should expect God to work. 
We should see his presence. We should, we should believe. Look, we may not see thunder and lightning this morning in this place, but you and I should experience the power of God as we read through, as we hear from him, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And what he's saying to us, I think, is prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. You're in a new relationship. Prepare yourself. Live like it. It's a new reality for you. You're to, be, you're to obey. He wants to be afresh in you and your life every day by showing himself to you. But prepare yourselves. And ultimately prepare yourselves because this one who has spoken so powerfully in the past and who so powerfully speaks now is the one who ultimately will come back and return to us and receive us unto himself. My friends, you and I need to get preparing and prepare ourselves for the relationship, for the reality, and even for the, even for that relevance that he brings in our lives each and every day. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who are here. Every week, Lord, I realize that you bring us here and you ordain this moment, this purpose. There's not an accident that we showed up today. And God, right now, you're talking to somebody about preparation. God, there's somebody at live stream, there's somebody here that's never fully committed their life to you. They've never trusted in Jesus for salvation. They're trying to do things on their own. They're trying to be what they think they're supposed to be. And yet, God, you are speaking out to them just as powerfully as you spoke on Mount Sinai many, many years ago. And God, I pray that as we have this invitation in a moment, that they will respond. Lord, that they'll reach out. They'll either text in, they'll, they'll walk down, they'll talk to me, whatever it is, Lord, that you'll help them respond. God, there's some in this place right now who are in a new relationship, but they're more like displays on a shelf instead of usable objects in your kingdom. And God, this morning I pray that you'd convict them. Help them obey. Help us obey. Help me obey. And God, when we come before you, may we experience that powerful movement of your presence. God, we pray it now. We pray you'd help us prepare ourselves even through this moment of invitation, through this moment of coming to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?